Welcome to Printing Profits. I got a question for you. What is it about successful online store owners that keeps them profitable right from the start? Is it a daily routine thing? Do they meditate every day? Or is it that they just know how to do it? Thing is, the only way to find out is to talk to someone who made it happen for themselves. Welcome to the first episode of Printing Profits. My name is Talish Zuffer, and I'm about to sit down and chat with Christina Umeris from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Christina started her Etsy store during the beginning of the pandemic, and in less than a year, she earned enough to quit her full-time job and travel the world. Now, she also runs a popular TikTok page guiding online entrepreneurs with their own journeys. That's because, as successful as she is, even she had to learn a few things from the start. Which is why we're calling this episode Open for Business. Christina, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So before we get into all your success with POD, can you tell me about your life before you opened your online store? Yeah, so I was working in digital marketing before, um, just like the regular nine to five. And I actually really <laughs> um, like enjoyed it early on until kind of COVID hit. Yeah. And then like I loved going into work because I was like so social versus like when you went home, all, and like you just worked and finished work, it like quickly just a nine to five yeah. life, just like I got so bored, so restless, so like wanting a change. I feel like a lot of people in COVID probably Absolutely. had that, where it's just like, what am I doing with my life? And like, what am I going to do <laughs> moving forward? Right. And then I got a promotion. Well, not a promotion. I got like a much better job, um, like lots more responsibility, like way better pay. So I moved into that same thing. It was all online. Um, and that one was going to be online even without COVID, which at the time I thought was fantastic. Right. Um, but that one just quickly became super stressful. It was like, you were expected to like have slack online all the time. Like you're kind of right. like yeah. always online. And it was like dealing with really big budgets for really big like brands and everything. And it just like, I was like losing sleep like the anxiety was like the first time I was feeling like real anxiety and like doing like little trips here and there, but I like couldn't focus because I was like so in my head about work. So I was kind of like my little transition and downward spiral in the corporate. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Cause it's like, you know, you think about print on demand or just opening any online store, all of that stuff is online. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting to me that like, you know, you kind of went through all this anxiety with all this, all these jobs that you were doing, but in the end, you kind of still went with something that was online. What was it about that? Was it just sort of like the freedom that it gave you or wh why did you kind of decide to continue living, working in that environment? Yeah, I think the big thing was just the flexibility to travel now because right. before I had three weeks vacation max um, oh, yeah. and usually you're spending that with family or like you can only do like quick little trips. Um, yeah. I had gotten like a little taste of like working remotely. I knew a lot of people that worked remotely and it was kind of just like a dream of mine I had. It's like, I hate working from home alone in my tiny condo. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah, of course. Doing it on the beach somewhere else is a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> so that was kind of what always like kept me going um, when I was like starting the business. Yeah. Well, tell me about how you started your business. I mean, you went into print on demand. What are some of the products that you started offering right from the get-go? 
Yeah. So it's kind of funny how it like transitioned into print on demand. Like mm. it actually started um, with pet portraits on Etsy. Wow. Really? <laughs> that you made yourself? Yeah. Wow. I was learning how to like do people's pet portraits um, in like a cartoon style on my iPad. And I started adding them to Etsy. So that's kind of where I learned Etsy. Yeah. And then I had to just realize how much time those took. And so I was like, how first, it, like my mindset was like, how can I like add something to this business that's going to like help it and like make it a little bit more passive. So I actually like first started adding just like print on demand prints for those pet portraits. So it was oh, like an upsell for people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, first, cause people would ask me like, Oh, okay. You did my portrait, but can you help me print it? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know where you live. Like find a Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, but enough people asked. So I was like, all right, maybe I'll just like add a thing. And I could tell them I could print it for like this much or if they wanted it on a shirt or anything. Cause I'd heard, um, like of print on demand from YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I was like, wait, why am I doing all this when I still have to like make each and every single design when I could just like create set designs and sell them. So that's when I started like my second store, which ends up, is now like that store that I'm still managing. And I've closed down the pet portraits because those just were <laughs> very time consuming. They're fun, but like kind of zap the fun out of those ones. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned, you know, your, your challenges there about, you know, trying to accommodate people with printing, trying to, you know, get your pet portraits done in a way that wasn't very time consuming. Tell me a little bit about some of the other challenges that you had when you went straight into print on demand and, and how you overcame that. Yeah. So, I actually first started, I'm going to help you out here with the, talking about the competitor. I started out with Printful mm. and it was like my first two reviews were bad, I think. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was like, oh, okay, this is not really great. This is not going to like end up in like a very good business if I'm already getting like negative reviews early on uh, sure. that I had to refund. Um so that's when I moved over to Printify, did a few like tests here and there, um, which really helped out. And of course, the beginning thing that everyone has is like just finding niches and everything that as a beginner, you can even like make sales on with yeah. Etsy. So I think that was my two biggest things because I'd already had the Etsy background from the pet portrait. So I feel like I had gotten over that hurdle because I know a lot of people are trying to learn Etsy plus print on demand at once. And it can be kind of overwhelming Absolutely, yeah. because of that. I kind of had little, little steps until moving into like my full print on demand store. Um, was it easy to switch niches? Like, I mean, you had these pet, pro uh, pet portraits niche and then you opened your print on demand store. Like, was that easy to sort of transition or did that take some time to figure out for yourself? It definitely took some time to get it like reset up mm -hmm. and start getting the momentum behind that one. Um, because obviously when you're first starting, you have zero sales. Yeah. Designing for shirts um, was very, very different than doing a pet portrait. Like hmm. Easier, more difficult? Easier, but different. Mm. Like it was hard to understand. Like the portraits were like a lot. Like you'd have sit down, custom draw thing. But shirts, like sometimes you're almost fighting with the obvious. Like simple sells really, really well on like apparel and stuff. And actually over designing, I think actually doesn't do you any justice. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So 
that was a hard thing for me to grasp. When I look at my first ones, I was trying all these like crazy designs that like never sold. Hmm. Um, and now I've kind of just learned how to like stick to the simple designs and find just the certain like fonts and stuff that work and usually result in sales. Would you say that was sort of like your first big win was sort of like kind of getting your designs down pat? Or was it something else that you like, what made you, what would, what would you think back as your first big win in this industry? Yeah. The first big win for my print on demand store was finding my first niche that worked Mm. and that helped me understand kind of what sells. Because for me, I had been trying like the general, what everyone else starts with. I wanted to do like positivity shirts and like nurse shirts and mom shirts, which were like the obvious, which everyone starts with. And then I had added one and it was like at the time, and I'm actually like still super into it as a breath work and ice baths. Oh, nice. And like everyone I know in that community is like super into it. Like they want to talk about it. So I was like, I'll just design a shirt. I kind of want it. So I designed that and like, I didn't think that type of niche would be on Etsy at all, (laughs) but they, and that was like my first seller was like this breathwork shirt. Yeah. And then then I was like, okay, this is so specific and no one else was really competing. There was like no one else doing breathwork on Etsy at the time versus like all my other shirts were getting no views because I was a new store trying to compete with the same keywords and niches as like all the other big stores who had tons of reviews and sales. So that was my first like, ah, huh, I just need to get like really creative with what people don't usually design for. Mm -hmm. And it can be a lot. And I've seen so many people like they're, when I'm doing like audits or like just talking with people, like the best stores as beginners that get sales fast are the ones that have like a niche that I wouldn't even think of. Like I Mm. looked at one and they had made 30 sales in their first month and I did not understand any of the shirts because it was all like <laughs> this inside joke. Very specific. Yeah. yeah. I had never even heard of the career type and they were like making a killing because they were the only ones doing it and they knew the inside jokes. Yeah. So this is interesting. So you kind of went on this experience where you started with a general store and that didn't kind of really work for you and that and you niche down, right? Because there's a lot of debate over, over like what works for people. You know, the general stores sometimes work for people if they have those designs that sell, but it was the opposite for you. It was like, I got to, you know, kind of corner this niche that's very particular to me because nobody else is. Yeah, kind of. Like I still do have a lot of niches. I would still count my store as a general store. Oh, interesting. Like I have. Yeah, because I do, I test a bunch of niches. Like I'm mm. always testing new things. And then, so I'll just like spend a day thinking of new niches, creating designs in them. And then I wait to see which one's working. Right. And then I'll just design a bunch more in there. And like now my like waiting on different niches has changed because I'm like, oh, this one just keeps selling. I'm just going to milk this one for as much <laughs> as I can. Yeah. And then, yeah, when I'm out of ideas for that one, then I'll just go back to the testing to find more like, sub niches or like niches that aren't as popular, but it still operates under the one general store though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just have the one like apparel store. Oh, interesting. Would you ever feel the pressure to sort of like kind of, I wonder if, 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 if it's, uh, if it's some, if it's smarter to just sort of like create separate niche stores, but I guess that must be difficult then to test, right? Because it's, you would rather it all be under kind of the same umbrella. Yeah. I think I would rather just be under the same umbrella. Cause like I don't want to go hard into one niche and then just Mm -hmm. see that it never works. And then I put up so much time into 
like creating the store, linking my bank account, like doing everything for it just to not turn out. Yeah. I have had other stores in the past t- trying different products completely. Because yeah. um, I, I always say you should have either a product tying your store together or a niche. Interesting. So it's like if you're going to try like mugs plus wall tapestries plus hoodies, then you should probably have a niche idea in mind. So it's not like people go into your store like, what is happening? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for mine, mine's just like a general apparel store. Fair enough. Well, now that I've got you all nostalgic, um, I kind of want to go back and backtrack a little bit to your, to when you first started. If you were to put yourself in your, in that position now as a new POD store owner, you know, getting into online business, what advice would you give yourself in hindsight? I think the biggest one that I want to tell people when they first started and what I wish I told myself, um, because when I look back at my first like designs and stuff was take time studying other people first Mm. because there's so much you think like in my head, I'm biased. I think this design looks great because I made it. Yeah. (laughs) But when you go and look and like, I also spend like half a day now, like doing research, just going through like people's shops, finding their bestsellers, like taking note with what right now, what fonts are working, Mm. what styles are working, um, what colors are working. Because I see a lot of people just posting up things and like, I never want to tell that. Like I've told a few people, I'm like, I'm sorry, I just don't see this selling. Yeah. And sometimes they've just been like, well, I like it. So I want to keep it up. Like you can keep it up but I don't see it selling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah. I think taking that time to really study your competitors is super helpful without copying. Like it's with everything. Like with YouTube, I'm watching my competitors to see what like like thumbnails are working for them. Mm. Like what what are their like edits like? Um, you learn from like seeing the success of others. And I think that's what you need to do on Etsy. Yeah. But yes, be very, very careful that you're not like just copying someone because that's not going to get you successful either. It's getting the eye for what works. So then mm-hmm. you can apply it to your designs. What about things to avoid? You know, would you, or would you go back and kind of say like, Oh, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but definitely. So I'm like, I think especially when I started, I did not understand copyright. Mm. Um, and at first I had a few up and then I got dinged for all of them. Um, <laughs> Did you ever get banned on Etsy? Did you ever get a have to go through a ban? I didn't get a ban, but I got the payment reserve and a warning saying like one Ooh. more. So I was like, oh, okay. So I like wiped everything. Um, yeah, everything that could have like possibly been like a trademark violation. Yeah. But like back then I was like, I'm not really using the word. So yeah. like it's fine. And I think that's a lot of people's idea that like, like, oh, but I didn't use like that, their logo or anything. I was like, but you still use their name in your titles and tags mm-hmm. to sell it. Can you give me an example? I'm just incredibly curious. Is there, is there, would you really, would you be willing to share like one text that you use that was like, oh, this is skating the line? <laughs> yeah, I had a Hakuna Matata. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I was like, but you can't even like see the, I use like no graphics or anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. Use her name. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, as soon as you hear Hakuna Matata, you know what you're thinking of. Everybody's thinking the same thing. Oh, yeah. 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 So it was like early on starting with that. And then like now I've kind of like got this, how I explain it to people. Because a lot of people, like I have these conversations now of like, they're like, well, I didn't 
actually cross like use their brand, but like if you're using someone else's success mm. to profit off of, then it's probably counting towards like a trademark. Sure. Yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing your story and I, I love the idea that it was a lot of trial and error. You know, you, you tried stuff out, you did the research, you clearly put in the work. When you think about having a clear sort of business plan, was that important to you in the beginning? Would you say that should be important to anybody starting out now? I think it should when you have a schedule. Mm-hmm. Did I? I did not. Mine was <laughs> I remember, mine was fueled by me getting in trouble at work. I remember like I was like slowly adding. I like was like adding things slowly and I was didn't really think I would like really turn it into something big. I was making like a few hundred a month and I was like, this is nice, like pocket change. Mm-hmm. I was just doing it in my spare time, like whenever I had it like moment. And it wasn't like, oh, I, after work, I'm going to spend like three hours adding. There was no like consistency to it yeah. until, yeah, I got, it made a big mistake at work and then um, I got in trouble. And then I remember just out of the like, the guilt and the like, this sucks, getting in trouble. <laughs> like, I need to find a way to break free. And I just went like crazy, crazy designing for like a week. I like didn't sleep and added and then. It was at the perfect time. It was in like October, right before Q4. And mm-hmm. like that like major surge of me adding just like ended up like this on my um, like stats. Like oh. I went from making just 300 consistently a month to like, I think it was like 6,000, then 8,000, wow. then like 12,000 in profit oh after. So, and then I was like, whoa, look what I can do. <laughs> like, this is really cool. And then- from there, I was like, okay, now I need to be consistent. And yeah. like, I had my, like, okay, if I can make this many sales still after Christmas, because I I've ex- I know Q4, I knew sure. it's January is not going to be the same results as um, December was. So I was like, hey, if January, I can keep at least 15 sales a day, then I can afford to quit my job. Mm-hmm. And then it did. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting. It's sort of like the necessity, to, the necessity to sort of quit your job kind of motivated you to have that business plan. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like got me that urgency of like, I need to be out right now. My pride <laughs> of getting yelled at. <laughs> yeah. I love the idea that you were designing constantly. How, tell me a little bit about that. How important is it to sort of you know, get your design skills up to snuff. I mean, could you offer advice to people who like maybe don't have a design background, but still want to get into print on demand? Yeah. So I, like I tell a lot of people, and I, I think you'll learn this as well when you're doing that competitor research, mm. simple sells. Like a lot of my best sellers are just text-based. Mm. Like find a next, like a nice thick font or like I go to um, Creative Fabrica and they have like some beautiful fonts um, as well up there that I like, downloaded and then some of mine are just like a word across the top in a really nice font it's sold once so then I apply it to like 10 different niches and then I put that on t-shirts and sweatshirts so that's like 20 listings right there with one design style wow that was that took like a few minutes because like for me when I'm buying sweatshirts now like I was looking like I like little like emblems or something in the Mm -hmm. corner or like something simple. I don't want crazy graphics personally. I know some people do, but for me, that's what worked. And I think over designing and being a graphic designer, it might actually even work 
against you. Hmm. You just have, you have an eye out to be like, okay, this could sell, but right. you'll learn that through competitor research. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, I'm, I'm curious about this thing. Cause what I love about your story is sort of like, you're doing this other job, you're getting overwhelmed by it. You're like, I need a change. And you do this other thing with such confidence, you commit to it and you do it consistently. And it ends up beautifully working out for you. When you think back about when you think about other people who might be going through the same process, you know, who are kind of at a job and they're thinking, you know what, I want to turn this side income into something a bit more real, but they're feeling a little bit overwhelmed by it. Maybe they're feeling a little bit anxious about it. Uh, what advice would you give them? I think for businesses, businesses in general and like print on demand, like especially is the reason so many people don't succeed is because they give up like right here, like mm. they have like this little line and they give up right before they hit the exponential growth. Right. And like, I believe that in so many things um, that people just give up before hitting the gold mine. And those are people who are successful, not because they're better than you, but the people who just push through when it's like rough at the beginning. Like I didn't get my first sale until five weeks. And then it was like a slow growth for the first like few months until like I did that crazy spree that was like combined with Q4. But even when it comes to like my YouTube now, um, like a bunch of other businesses I try, what I've learned from that is just like the importance of like patience and waiting it out because those people are going to be super successful. And that like print on a man taught me that. Yeah. And it's like, I want to teach other people that like, you just have to hold on and like be ready for ups and downs as well, because, um, like students that I have are like, I've, my views for the last two days are down. Like my store is tanked. It's done. I'm like, you have to ride the wave. Like months, some, some months are going to blow you out of the water. Like they're going to bring so much. And then the next month might be dead. And it's really hard that month to not <laughs> feel like it's all over. Right. Um, but you just have to trust that they're kind of come back. Like the seasons and buying seasons are like fluctuate like crazy. And yeah. they just like keep designing in those low points. It's like the stock market. Keep going when people are, what is it? Like invest when people are scared. Stop <laughs> when people are greedy. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that before actually, but that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> hey, you're doing a lot of stuff on TikTok now, um, or you, you've been doing it for a while. Uh, is that like how much, how important is that, you know, alongside what you already do with, with print on demand? I mean, do you think it's important to sort of stay on social media or is this sort of like the TikTok thing? Is it just more like to educate people? It's, a, I think everything, like the content creation actually came to me um, by accident. That's another story to yeah. tell, but. Um, um, I want to hear the story. Tell me the story. Yeah. So, <laughs> you can't just say something like that. And <laughs> I was going to lead into it. <laughs> so what happened was I wasn't even supposed to be on TikTok. It was never like, I'm going to be on TikTok and teach people. Mm -hmm. It was, I was super camera shy. Like if you asked me. I don't believe that. I think I've been on, right? But <laughs> I was talking about this today with my fiance. He was like, could you believe like two years ago, like what you're doing now? Like, There's no way because that used to be, if you asked me what my biggest fear was, yeah. it was talking on camera. Wow. And So I actually had a bet or like accountability thing with my best friend. And we we're both like, hey, we both have to post something on social media just by New Year's. It's gonna mm. be our New Year's thing. And so I posted about my current results. That was my biggest month um, so far on Etsy. That was the one with the 12K profit, yeah. which was my biggest month at the time. 
So I just posted like, hey guys, this is what I've been doing on Etsy. This is like how much I made. And I woke up and I had like 30 or 40,000 followers. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It like blew. I got like 800,000 views on my first thing. And like that whole day I was sitting like, I kept checking it like in like disbelief. And I was like, what is happening? (laughs) And like with that comes so many things. There came a bunch of haters. There came a bunch of people who were like, do you have a course? What do you do? Like teach me. It just brought in everyone with every single opinion and from there, I was just like, I guess I'm a content creator now. I guess I'll put it. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of important now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, now I'll just like start posting, I guess, because I have like 40 people, 40,000 people wondering or asking me questions. So I just started responding to some of the questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a really cool time. And just from there, it just grew and grew and grew. And like, like I said, if you watch my first videos there, so cringy. I had horrible filters on. Uh, they were, yeah, not good. And now I can just feel myself getting more confident and more confident. And this year, um, I started to like challenge myself to it with doing longer form content because even that I was super like rigid with. So now I've been growing on YouTube. Um, and that's kind of my focus for this year, just so I can help with a lot more steps because TikTok is so fast and trends yeah. mm-hmm. and everything. Well, if my advice counts, I think you're killing it right now. Your your camera Thank presence you. is absolutely amazing. As a fellow content creator, <laughs> you're <laughs> Thank doing you. a great job. It took a job. lot. Yeah. It was, I was not born with it at all. No, it's hard to tell. Well, hey, thank you so much for chatting us with, with us today. We really appreciated your time, and uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. I think I need to start following you on TikTok, too. I think we're going to do <laughs> that as soon as after me. this. Thank <laughs> Thanks for this. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is Printing Profits. Hey, this is Printing Success, crisp tips from Sarah at Wholesale Ted. One tip I have for you today is that you can make shipping much, much faster for your international customers by using the Printify reroute option to reroute your customer's order to a printing provider that is in or near the country that the customer lives in. So as I've said before, I absolutely love a print provider that's based in the USA, Monster Digital, they're based in Florida, they print my favorite t-shirt, the Bala Canvas 3001. However, as much as I love them, I would not choose to use them if I had a customer in Canada order a t-shirt from me. Instead, for faster shipping, I would reroute that to a print provider based in Canada, such as PrintGeek, which are based in Ontario. And it's actually really easy to see all the international print providers for a product within Printify. Just go to the Printify product page and you'll see a list of all the different print providers. Plus, it will also show a flag for the country that they are based in. This is Printing Profits. Getting more sales is about staying ahead about keeping an eye on the trends and turning what's hot into cold, hard cash, which is why we're calling this next bit trend spotting. Now, if home decor products haven't been on your radar lately, then they definitely should be. Whether they're for that home office or as a housewarming present for a new homeowner, these are products that have been ranking high as gift items in searches, especially if they have a minimalist design. Now, I know what you're thinking, but what does minimalist actually mean? Well, let's check in with one of our designers here at Printify to find out. 
Hi, I'm Linda. I'm a graphic designer here at Printify. And when it comes to minimalism, it's an artistic style that applies uh, to many things from architecture, design and arts, and it never really goes out of fashion. It's about using as few elements as possible. And the motto for that is less is more. So whenever you see a clean, simple design, it is probably minimalism. So. Uh, if you would want to apply that, those principles to text-based designs, for example, you should consider using sans-serif modernist fonts from the 70s, such as Helvetica, because it's really about having the cleanest, most simple shapes and typography and reducing any other decorative elements that could be there. Um, if you would want to do something more geometric, Again, consider keeping the shapes very simple and clean. And if you would want to work with imagery and minimalism, just always consider giving it enough white space around it. And the same applies to illustration, just keeping it to its minimum. And then you're there. Look, clearly you can go down a rabbit hole about what counts as minimalist. Our advice, don't spend too much time worrying about it. If your designs fall 100% under that category or not, let your customers decide that for themselves. Put your own twist on minimalism for new designs and start including it as part of your SEO. Remember, a rising tide lifts all boats, so be sure to make it count for yourself too. Thanks for listening to our first episode of Printing Profits. We'd like to thank Christina for sharing her experience with us and at the same time, introduce you to the talented team behind this program. Executive producer, Laura Gelvite. Associate producer, Anita Njoki. Technical and video production, Emil Yasuns and Valerius Olechno. Sound production, Christers Hartmanis. And I'm Talish Zuffer. See you next time.